It's been nearly three years since the state law allowing commercial gestational surrogacy took effect, and now State Senator Liz Krueger, a Manhattan Democrat, wants her colleagues to revisit this regulatory framework and has introduced legislation that she says would address outstanding ethical issues. Senator Krueger joins us on the Capitol Press Room to discuss her new bill. Welcome back to the show, Senator. Thanks for having me, David. So back in the spring of this year, we spoke with an advocate for the 2020 gestational surrogacy law about the implementation of the measure. And she argued it's been working pretty well, especially in terms of protecting the rights of all the parties involved. And she highlighted the surrogate protections. How do you think the implementation of the state's gestational surrogacy law has been going since it took effect in February of 2021? Well, in fairness, we don't know because nobody's really tracking it. And that's one of the reasons I think we need improvements in the law so that there is a system where all of the surrogacy activities that result in a human being born and the donation of gametes, which are required for a human to be born, are tracked through a database system for a variety of reasons, including research for the state to understand what is happening, what are the implications from a health perspective, big picture, from a societal perspective, and very importantly, for individual humans who are actually produced through these options to be able to track their own health history Um, their own DNA history, because we know with modern medicine advancements, that is more and more crucial to helping people protect themselves from future illness and get treatment when they have illnesses, particularly cancers. Well, how would your legislation then address the so-called gaps in our understanding of the 2020 law? So what we would be doing is actually strengthening medical, legal, and financial protections for surrogates, intended parents, establishing these protections for the first time for egg and sperm donors and intended parents who participate in gamut donation agreements. It would establish a tracking system with the state controlling who, what, where, where people who are created through these technologies can actually get access to the information about their genetic parentage, which can be so crucial again for health reasons, but also as we've learned through the growth in adoption policy over the years for the actual psychological opportunities it offers children and biological parents to learn about each other if they wish to. It will allow for the kind of research that I can't answer now, the questions of what are we seeing? There's minimal research done about what are the health impacts and the outcomes from all of these different new assisted reproductive technologies. And by the way, these new technologies keep expanding almost every year. So I really believe that this legislation expands on what we passed two years ago, addresses concerns that I had then that didn't get addressed, but addresses issues that were never touched in the first bill at all. When we've spoken with some of the industry stakeholders about the 
states' gestational surrogacy mandates, especially when it comes to some of the existing insurance requirements. They've argued that the regulatory framework that exists right now can have a chilling effect on the chance that someone might actually take advantage of this, whether it's because it's too costly or because it's too many hoops to jump through. Are you concerned at all about adding additional mandates to this system that might make it harder for would-be parents to become parents? I think as legislators, we have to focus on taking care of everyone. So yes, if you are going into a surrogate legal agreement under the existing law, you must provide certain kinds of insurance coverage to the surrogate who is carrying a child that is going to be yours for nine months. But there are some holes in that that have proved to be a problem for people. And there is no insurance protection for egg donors who can end up extremely sick from the procedure because it involves surgical removal of eggs and major dosages of hormones that can create in certain young women very serious medical impacts. So I'm sorry. Everybody has to be concerned about the donors and the surrogates, as well as trying to respect and support intended parents who need to use assisted reproductive technology in order to expand their families. Some of the sections of my bill actually allow intended parents to use insurance they already have for the donors of eggs, and or surrogate mothers. So it actually would help those people. So I don't agree that the insurance changes will add additional problems. But yes, I actually think insurance coverage is necessary when you're putting people's health and lives at risk from some of these procedures. Can you talk a little bit about how you went about constructing this legislation and, and who you turned to for some of the help in crafting it? It's amazing. It's been almost a three-year journey developing this bill. And I've worked with experts from medical ethics, Dr. Arthur Kaplan of the NYU Grossman School of Medicine, who's one of the country's leading medical ethicists. I worked with him. I worked with professors at Columbia and NYU, both in health policy and legal policy involving these issues of reproductive rights and surrogacy. I worked with young women who have been egg donors and who have had some very disturbing experiences where they were not told anything about their legal rights or medical rights. They weren't told about the risks um, I've spoken to donor-conceived adults, so humans who are in fact on this planet because they are the outcome of donation and surrogacy. And so I also talked to them about their concerns and why they thought this bill was so important. I'm not sure there's anybody I didn't talk to. Well, speaking of talking to people, uh, have you begun reaching out to any of your colleagues in the Senate and Assembly about, one, their interest in opening up this section of law, and then, two, their reaction to your legislation more specifically? The day I did the press conference uh, literally was the same day I had introduced the bill. 
I hadn't really had a chance to reach out to very many colleagues before I got the bill ready. I have now been putting together a full package to send to all my colleagues, explaining the bill and providing all kinds of backup documentation, asking them to consider supporting or sitting down with me to learn more about this. I have shared the information with my colleague and good friend, Brad Hoyleman Siegel, who was of course the lead sponsor of the first bill that passed the Child Parent Security Act two years ago. You and Senator Hoyleman Siegel had had some differences of opinion about the right way to go on this issue in the past. Do you feel optimistic about engaging with him on this issue heading into 2024? Absolutely. We don't always agree on the same issues or the solutions to the same problems, but we never don't talk to each other, have our staffs coordinate with each other, and see whether we can find our way to a complementary solution that meets the concerns we have in a civil and even collegial way. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with State Senator Liz Kruger. She is a Manhattan Democrat. Senator, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me, David. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.